Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the word. So listen, this morning we're going to dive into our third part of our current series that we're called, that we've been calling Intentional Living. And more than likely, this will be the last piece of this portion of it. So uh, as always, if you are here today and you have uh, missed a part of this series, we highly encourage you to go check out the rest of it on our podcast uh, but let me say this, because I know there's some new people here today, and, uh, and if you're like me sometimes, if you've even been here and you just need a reminder, uh, here's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Uh, we've been talking about basically how we can give more attention to the areas that matter the most in our lives. And if I can even make that more specific, we've been talking about how can we, be, uh, how can we become more fruitful in the areas that should matter the most in our lives And real quick, we'll throw the list up to you again. The areas that should matter the most to us are, obviously, first and foremost, our relationship with Jesus. Secondly, it's that we would understand his purpose and we would live that out. Next, if we're married, man, that we we would value our marriage, right? That we'd be fruitful in our marriage. If we have children, that we'd be fruitful in the way we're raising our kids. That we would also uh, be healthy mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then we should uh, value our friendships, right? And then lastly, it's like, how do we want to actually steward uh, the resources that God has given us, that God's entrusted to us? How do we want to do that well, all right? So listen, I personally believe that if we're going to be fruitful, or if you and I are going to actually live the life that Jesus called us to live, then it will require each one of us to become extremely intentional and by intentional, I simply mean this, that, that this is where you and I make the conscious decision that we don't allow the outcome and all those areas that we just mentioned uh, to be left up to chance or be left up to some random impulsive reaction type of living. Uh, you know, it's kind of like wherever the chips fall, let them fall. Like we, we refuse to do that. Uh, instead, what we do is we make the choice to embrace an attitude that is purposeful, that's fully engaged, and that's committed to deliberate action and partnering with God's plan for our lives. Because how many of you guys know when you look at that list, God actually has a plan for every single one of those areas in our lives, yes? And we can either go with his plan or we can ignore his plan. And what we're saying today is we want to be intentional and we want to go with his plan, amen? All right, so like we mentioned the other day or last week and the week before that, is that just because you and I may have good intentions and we say that we want to live a life of attention out and we say we want to live a life of fruitfulness, it doesn't mean that we won't encounter along the way some obstacles, right? And, and listen, I believe that it's really easy when we bump up to things that's causing us to not live intentional lives or when we bump up against things that's allowing us, not allowing us to live fruitful lives, it's easy to say, well, it's this thing or it's that thing. We blame things. But the reality is, is the main reason that you and I are are not living the fruitful lives that Jesus desires for us to live is because we've allowed ourselves to become just too busy. Can I get an amen? Now, obviously, I can't speak for anyone else in this room, but, but for me personally, over the past few months, there's no doubt that God is wanting me to reevaluate my life so I can find a new rhythm in him. And so that's, you know, I would say this, a new rhythm for these things, for this purpose, is number one is so that my life will be pleasing and compatible to a life in the kingdom. And second, that God wants me to find a new rhythm for the benefit of my family. And then I would say this, number three, that God wants me to find a new rhythm for for basically my own physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health because those things are important. Amen. So listen, one hard truth that I'm learning through all of this is like John Ortberg said. He said this. He said, hurry is not just a disordered schedule. It's a disordered heart. Like that hurts. And that's hard to swallow, but man, that's true. Now, on a positive note, something that I'm also learning is that this, is that God has already provided for you and me this thing called an antidote, if you will, for our busy and for our hurried lifestyles. And I believe this, the antidote is really wrapped up in one word, and it's the word rest. So we find actually an example of this in the Gospel of Mark. He says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. It says, there was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going 
that they were unable to even eat a meal. In other words, their schedules were so jam-packed, they couldn't even stop to eat. And so it says this, So Jesus said to his disciples, and I believe he would say this to you and I today, Come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. Now I want you to grab a hold of something here because it's completely opposite of, what, of how I was trained and, and how I was discipled to do life in the kingdom. But I want you to notice basically that in the midst of all this hustle and all this bustle, Jesus is actually inviting his disciples not to continue to push harder for the sake of more ministry. Let's get more done. Like he didn't do that. Instead, he's saying this, man, I'm inviting you to find a place where there's no interruptions and there's no distractions so that you can just rest. That sounds good, doesn't it? So if I can put a, maybe a bow on the beginning of this introduction, John Ortberg also said this. I think this is really good and we'll launch from this statement today. He said, being hurried is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. It means to be so preoccupied with myself and my life that I am unable to be fully present with God, with myself and with other people. Listen to this last part. He said, I cannot rest in God with a hurried soul. See, remember at the heart and the goal, if you will, the purpose, if you will, of an intentional life is that we would actually be fully present in our relationship with God and fully present in our relationship with others and that we would actually be fully present with ourselves, as weird as that may sound, but that there would actually be a self-awareness of what's going on in the inside of us. And to Ortberg's point here is that, guess what, is that we cannot rest and we cannot be fully present in all those areas if we have a hurried soul. So let's flip the page and let's transition here, okay? What I want to do for the remainder of our time, I want to actually unpack this idea of rest. Um, I, I'm going to do my best, okay? The reality is, is I sat down and I had 45 pages of notes, and I've kind of shrunk that down to about 10. So I can't cover everything. I just like studying. That's my problem, okay? And, and so what, what I want to do is, is I want to share a few thoughts. can't share everything with you that's running through my brain, but just a, a few thoughts that can actually maybe help you and I see the place that rest should have in our lives. So let me say this. If you're sitting here by chance and you're like, I'm not so sure if I want to hear this, dude. Um, let me just say it this way. Wave your hand at me if you've ever felt uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually drained. Like anybody ever been there? Amen. So here's the good news. Today's message is for you. Good news. All right. So to begin, let's look at Genesis chapter 1. Great place to start, right? Genesis 1. I promise you we will not go to Revelation. Here we go. Genesis 1.1. It says, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then it says in verse 3, then God said. Now, for the sake of time, uh, over the course of this next chapter, we watch as God not only creates the heavens and the earth, but he separates light from darkness, he, he separates water from land, he separates sky from ground, and then he creates the sun, the moon, the stars, in other words, the very cosmos, the very universe. And then he begins to create every plant that covers the earth, and then we see him create, uh, create every species, right, like fish in the sea, birds in the air, and animals that walk on the ground. And so when we land there in the narrative, it's the end of the fifth day, and God simply stepped back and he, and he called everything that he saw good. And then we launch out into the sixth day, and we know that's when mankind was created. We were created in his image, and, and God not only charged mankind with the responsibility to be fruitful, let that hang in the air for you today, that we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, but also to have dominion over the earth. And so that, at that point, basically that marked the sixth day. And then God took a step back and he uh, basically said that he looked over all creation uh, with man in it. And now it wasn't just good, but it was very good. So I said all that so I could bring us to basically the transition verse that we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. It says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified. In other words, he blessed that day and he called it holy. For you guys that are, you know, Bible scholars in the room, it's the first time holy was ever mentioned in the Bible. And then it says this, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now, the Hebrew word for rested here is the word Shabbat. Okay? And it's where we get our English word Sabbath from, right? And it simply means this. It means to cease, to stop, or rest from labor. Now, I want to be clear with something. Um, when we read this and we look at it in original language, it's not insinuating that God was worn out, he was drained, or he was tired from all of his efforts. That's not what it's saying. It's, truthfully, it's quite the opposite. What it means is this, is that at the end of those six days, that when God looked at everything that he had made, he saw it as perfect, as complete, as flawless, and that he knew that nothing else could be done. Like, it was it, right? And so he decided to cease from his labor and just enjoy creation. So cool to see the heart of God that way. So, listen, I don't know about you, but when I, when I say, okay, that's cool, but how do I bring it down to my world and where I live, then, then I'm telling you, the, the number one question that comes to my mind, because I'm a very inquisitive person, is this is that I just think that this, these verses beg us to ask the question that if God took the time to rest, then why don't we? Like, so simple, right? You see, in the midst of all of our constant efforts to complete the endless to-do list that fill up all of our busy schedules, I think we need to remember that God himself gave us an example to show us the importance of this thing called rest. In fact, I would even say this, that that sometimes when you read this verse, that it needs to serve as a good reminder that God actually designed us and created us uh, with the need. And that need was this, rest, right? So listen, I know all of that's really, really, really simple. Not much is going to be profound today, but I just think this, how often do we forget it? Right? How often in all of our running and all of our doing and all of our pursuing, how often do we forget to do the simple thing called rest, right? All right, so with that said, there's something else I want to highlight here before we move on. And as I was studying, I saw something that I've never seen before and I've never thought about reading this passage of Scripture. And, and here's what I want us to notice. Is I want us to notice what was the first thing man ever saw God do. Listen, according to the scripture that we just read, the first thing that Adam ever saw God do was rest. Come on, let's grab a hold of this for a second. That, that listen, God could have easily chosen to create man first. Listen, then told him to stand back and watch everything that he could do. Like, watch this, right? And impress man with his power and his wisdom, and all these things, right, that, that so often we read the Bible, and we ooh and ah about, so often things that we pursue, and we want to see more of, like, like, he could have easily done it that way, but instead he chose to do the opposite, they literally created everything that we mentioned earlier, and then he placed man in it as the finishing touch, right, which meant, here's what it means to me, that Adam's first view of God, his first view of God was him at rest, like, that's amazing to me, that Adam's first interaction with God was not about accomplishing some great, powerful miracle. No, no, no. His first interaction with God was just hanging with God as God was at rest. See, in doing so, I believe that God intentionally initiated an important lifestyle, or we'll even say a rhythm, into the fabric of creation for all of us to see, which is this is that instead of us working to rest, that maybe we are actually supposed to work from rest. Meaning, instead of us working until we can't go anymore, right? Like this crash and burn mentality that I know a lot of us have, right? That that has a tendency to place this word called rest as secondary to everything else. That that maybe instead when we need to look at the scripture and embrace uh, God's cycle where rest becomes the priority so that we could actually launch into our week, right? Well-rested, full of creativity, full of vision, full of wisdom, full of joy, rather than dragging through, right, another busy weekend into another busy week. 
Let me say it to you like this, because the reality is what we do. 52 weeks out of the year, we just drag a busy week into the next busy week, into the next busy week, into the next busy week, and man, we look like we're just whooped. Can I get an amen? So I just want you to think, I just want us to think about something really quick. So like, man, doesn't the idea of placing rest as a priority sound a whole lot healthier than dragging ourselves, dragging ourselves to the door, feeling like we've been drunk through a knothole year after year? Like, man, what an easy answer, right? So listen, the harsh reality is, is more often than not, when you and I refuse to step into this rhythm of rest, we typically face negative consequences. And I think most of us can say, oh yeah, we can bear witness to, that, to this. And here's what happens. We become exhausted, we become burned out, unhealthy, our immune system suffers, causes us to get sick, uh, like we say, we lose our creativity, we lose our ability to think clearly, and so on. Like, we've been talking about this for weeks, right? And, and I think that not only does it affect our body and our soul in a negative way, but it also affects our relationships, starting with, like we've said, with God, and then it moves to our family, right? Like, those are the ones that suffer. Those are the ones that pay the price for our busyness. So all I'm saying is this, is that maybe God is asking us to pause for a second that should consider how different our lives could be if we would make rest our priority and work secondary. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, go live off the government. That's not what I'm saying. I believe in work. He who does not work does not eat, and I like to eat. Okay, so, so I'm, not, I'm not vindicating a lazy lifestyle here. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we rest and we get filled up with Jesus so that we can go do what Jesus called us to do, other than dragging and not really doing what he wants us to do because we're too tired, right? So, I, listen, as, I, as I'm saying this, I realize there's a theological spot to what I'm talking about here, and I can kind of hear the detractors in my head say, yeah, PQ, but didn't God rest after he worked for six days? Yeah, I, d- I don't agree with that, okay? I don't disagree with that, sorry. Uh, but, but, I, but I can't help but think about this. Y'all, please listen to this, is that... I can't help but think about how did Adam begin his life. So I want to notice that, that he started his life from a position of rest. Remember, God's seventh day was Adam's first day. Right? So which means that Adam worked, once again, from rest instead of working to rest. And I think we just need to let that sink in. All right, let's shift gears a bit. Um, if we fast forward right, from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, through the narrative of the Bible, let's go a significant amount of time, like let's pass Adam and Eve in the garden, Cain and Abel, right, Enoch, story of Noah, move on through the, uh, the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons, right, keep moving all the way through Joseph, where he was in Egypt, doing his thing, right, under Pharaoh, and, and then we come all the way to the spot where we land at the place where the Israelites have been in slavery for 300 years. So, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you, you, you kind of know the story. After 300 years of bondage to the Egyptians, we know God raised up a deliverer, and his name was Moses. And we also know that after a series of plagues and the miracle of the Red Sea, uh, God, has set, God set his people free from slavery. All right, there we go. Something real interesting happened from that point that I want to grab a hold of today. That even though God physically got his people out of Egypt, Now it was time to actually get Egypt out of them mentally and emotionally. So remember, for the past several generations, all God's people knew was how to live like a slave, right? Where they worked seven days a week for 300 years under the watchful eye of their Egyptian taskmasters. Is that true? So which means that not only was their identity in God shot, right, but they also had completely lost the rhythm of rest that God had established creation. Because if I, I think I'm right, and I could be wrong, but I don't think they were allowed to practice the Sabbath during the 300 years because they had to work. All right? So in my opinion, it's here in the history of the Jews, as we're reading their story, right, the, the, the Bible story, uh, where I think a lot of, lot of modern-day Christians misinterpret God's instructions in the Old Testament to his children. Here's what I mean by that. I think when a lot of us read it, because we live uh, in a democracy, I think when we read it, we go, man, God's given them a bunch of rules. Like God's hard. Like, like they really traded one taskmaster for another. 
like God is hard. He's just all these rules. Uh, but I don't believe that at all. I don't, I don't believe that's the heart of God. I think the same Father God that we know is the same Father God in the Old Testament, okay? And, and so I think what God was actually trying to do with these rules, it's no different than with my children in my home, it, is what he was trying to do is he was trying to retrain and he was trying to reset their thinking so that they could learn how to live together. Not as slaves, but as free sons and daughters who are part of the family of God, Right? So, so when, you look at, when you look at the laws, it all has to do with having a healthy relationship with God, okay, the rules, right? Healthy relationship with God and healthy relationship with people. That's it, right? So listen, with that in mind, let's fast forward, okay? Not a whole length of time, but literally one month from the time that they left Egypt, right? Miriam's dancing, they're celebrating, right? Woo, party. Fast forward one month, and, and we actually land in Exodus chapter 16. And it's here that we see God reintroducing this rhythm of rest when he told them this. He said basically to Moses, and Moses conveyed it, that each day, God said each day, he was going to rain down food from heaven, right? But then he said, but on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much because I want you to gather enough food for that day and the next. So why was God telling them to do this? Was he trying to make them work harder? No, 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 no. It's because on the seventh day, he wanted them to rest. Instead of gathering, he wanted them to just, right? So listen, God's purpose in telling them this was so that, once again, I think, so he could reestablish this thing called a rhythm of rest in their weekly lifestyles. So if I could take this one more step, uh, obviously we know that God took this retraining so serious that he took all the things he was telling them and he boiled it down to 10 simple statements. We call it the Ten Commandments. So let's look at it together in Exodus 20. It says, then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not. And then he, he gives this. We'll throw it in a list just for space and time's sake. He said, you must not have any other gods before me, not make or worship any idols, not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. If you notice the first four, deal strictly with him, uh, with our relationship with him. And the last six, deal with our relationship with man, right? So, but I think at this point, the, the thing I want us to see is that this is where the Sabbath day really re-entered back into the very fabric and weekly rhythm of the Jewish culture, right? And so in addition to the Sabbath, and this is how cool God is and how serious God is about this, he didn't just stop at the Sabbath, but he said, oh, by the way, here's some festivals that I actually want you to celebrate through the year. Right, so, so basically what happened is, is he spread these festivals out and he required the Jewish people to pause or to cease from their work so that they could do these things. Please listen to this. So that they could, for starters, rest. So they could gather with their family and friends. And that typically centered around a meal they would eat. Right, and then he would say, oh, by the way, this is a great time to remember what I've done for you. And not only to remember what I've done for you, but to celebrate what I did for you. And, and if I can add really what the Sabbath is about at its core, it's a reminder of the covenant that we belong to him and he belongs to us. Okay? But, but if I could add there that as you're, as you're pausing, right, he's telling them, it's a great time to worship, remember my words, and most of all, guys, just enjoy my presence. So, you, you see, when God, you know, had in mind, uh, you know, basically when he established Sabbath at the creation, I want us to see this, that, that, it, that he what, didn't have this in mind. Uh, hey, if you go to Florida for a week, that's a vacation. Y'all, please hear this. Uh, you know, he didn't say, you know, it's a great time to cut the grass, great time to go shopping, catch up on that latest series of Netflix, uh, run errands. You know, that's a day off, Right? Listen, God's purpose was to do what? Was so that these people would intentionally dedicate on a weekly basis a, a, just a spot to rest. Once again, connect with their family and friends. Eat a meal, celebrate, remember, worship, read God's word, and most of all, enjoy his presence. 
See, with all that said, I think, you know, the thought that comes to my mind is this, is that when we look at God and how he operates with us, that if God built, you know, intentional times of rest into his people's weekly, monthly, and yearly calendar, then maybe we should be open to having a little bit more intentional time of rest in the form of a Sabbath ourselves. Now, now let me tag on something I just said. I'm not against vacation. I'm not against cutting the grass, okay? But, but, but here's, what I, here's what I realize about, we'll just pick on vacation. Um, when I go on vacation with my family, I typically come back needing a vacation from my vacation. Can I get a well? So, and that's not to not my family, but it's the reality is, is that's not the way God designed it. See, so often what happens is, is we work all day long, and then we come home, and we kick off our boots, and we hop down the recliner, we turn on the TV, and we think, I'm tired, and I want to rest, and if I can watch a movie, or if I can watch hours of TV, then somehow that'll make me feel rested. But the reality is, is it doesn't work, because there's only one place to find rest. It's in the one who created it. Right? So, listen, I just think this. Before, you know, if there's anybody in here, before you brush me off and, uh, you know, whatever, consider this, please. When I look back at the Ten Commandments, I personally find it interesting that God considered observing the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath, just as important as not worshiping any other God, as not murdering someone or committing adultery and so on. And the reason I say that is because I think if we actually took a step back and took a quick survey, uh, you know, maybe just not of the room, but just uh, American Christians, right, that, that we would find that most people don't view or value the Sabbath rest on the same level as they do the other commandments, right? Like, like when's the last time we actually viewed Sunday as holy, right? So, in fact, I would even say this, and maybe I'm wrong with this, but I'll step out on a limb and say it anyways, that, that I think that observing the, observing the Sabbath is probably the least obeyed commandment out of the ten for most of us. Come on, don't run from me, folks. Now, listen, when, when I say this, I realize, okay, we'll, we'll just kind of throw this out there. I realize that there's a debate among Christians that if we as New Covenant believers, if we should celebrate the Sabbath or not, right? You hear arguments from one side saying yes, arguments from other people saying no, we celebrate a Sunday, blah, 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 all these things. And there's all great, you know, uh, you know, great points on each side. And I'm not here to argue. That's definitely, it never fixes anything. But, but I will say this, okay? This is the one thought I will add to that. Is even though as a New Covenant believer, I don't see the point of going through all the rituals and the traditions of the Jewish Shabbat. I'm not opposed if anybody does it, but talking about me personally, okay? I do think this. I find it foolish for any believer not to practice a regular day of rest. Okay? And what I mean is this, is, is, is basically when I say rest, once again, it's a day with encompasses us slowing down, pausing from all of our work, right? Gathering our friends, connecting with God, doing those things, right? And to me, when I think about that, that doesn't look like legalism, right? And, it, and nor does it look like a burden. Man, to me, it just looks like plain wisdom. Can I get an amen? So listen, my, my greatest hope, I think, in sharing all this with you today, and this is what one piece that I'm getting, is, is to see that the Sabbath, once again, isn't some box we check. It's not a sin if we do it or don't do it. That's, that's not where I'm getting at. But my hope is today is that you and I would actually see the Sabbath rest as a gift from God that allows us to reconnect with him and our family and allows us to be refreshed and refilled with his love, with his joy, with his peace, right? With his creativity, because you can't hang with the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of creativity, right? And not get creative, right? And that, that guess what? That we would see that this is a place we get filled with wisdom, all those things that we all need to operate in a way that pleases God, all right? So listen, when I say all this, once again, if I can just keep tagging along here, um, I realize that this practice of rest in its entirety of what we're talking about today is, is very, uh, you know, counterculture to the society that we live in, not just to the people in the world, but even as Christians, right? Like we're not accustomed to living our lives with this ebb and flow, right? And, and I think probably the main reason is, is because we as 
as Americans, right, like I'll pick on us, like we tend to try to find our identity in what we do, right, and by the things we achieve, right? Like, like we put that, like, man, we, we put what we do, like it's a badge on our chest, like, ah, oh, that's what I do, right? Now, I'll just say it to you like this uh, to make it more clear. You know, how often have I met people and I say, hey, tell me about yourself, and the first thing that comes out of their mouth isn't, oh, I'm married to this lovely lady and I have this many kids and, oh, this is who I am in Jesus. It's, it's oh, here's where I work, right? Or here's what I did or here's what I used to do. Here's what I used to be when I was in the military. Here's what blah, 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 right? When I was in sports back, you know, I could throw a football over the mountains, you know, whatever. Y'all haven't seen that movie. It's all right. <laughs> It's all right. So listen, I just think this, once again, we tend to try to find our identity and what we do and things we achieve. And proof of this is that statistically, we as Americans work a significant amount of more hours than any other nation in the world. So listen, I, I don't know what kind of runs to your brain when you hear that, but, but I can't help to wonder, is that statistic somehow connected to this thought process that many of us have, consciously or subconsciously, that tells you and I that our identity is based off this. Here's our society, that our identity is based off of how well we do, how much we do, how much we possess, and by what others say about us. So listen, when all those types of thoughts, uh, you know, are allowed to become the source of our identity, no wonder we all feel such an urgency to work so much. Because why? The byproduct of that sort of thinking is what? Is if I do more, I am more. If I have more, I am more. If people recognize me, or social media, whatever, blah, blah, I'm more valuable. And so what happens is, watch this, is when we think about the idea of actually resting, it's like taking a voluntary, uh, you know, thing to basically lose a piece of our identity. So we don't do it. So I just want to suggest to you today that just maybe one of the one of the reasons that God wants us to take these weekly pauses from all of our doing, right, is so that we can create the healthy distance from ourselves and our work. So that what? We can reset and remember that our identity is not in what we do, that God loves us in spite of what we do or don't do. But at the end of the day, man, that our identity is found solely in the fact that you and I are the beloved children of God. Right, That literally, that regardless of our occupation, regardless of our achievements, regardless if we won the game or not, right, that God still loves us. So once again, if I could take that thought and go all the way back to what we were talking about out of Exodus chapter 16, right, that we would find that, man, is that not what God was trying to get across to the Israelites in the desert? Right, like he was trying to remove a, a slave identity off of them that was rooted in their nonstop working so that they could remember their place in his family. So listen, with that said, I understand that none of us will probably ever consider our place of employment or our schedule or our to-do list as some taskmaster that we are enslaved to, right? But, but I would encourage all of us to remember this, that whatever is consuming our heart in our mind, in our time, guess what? There's a good chance we are in bondage to it. So the question I want to ask today is, is kind of twofold. I really want to ask today, if I would just shoot blunt, is whose slave are you? Right? Like, like wherever, you, whatever you're doing, are you a slave to it? But, but the other thing I want to ask, which is maybe more important, is, is what are you finding your identity in? Like, truthfully. Is it in the fact that, oh, it's what I do for a living. Oh, this is what I did in 1996, right? Or, or is it the fact that, no, 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 I'm God's kid, and that's good enough for me. Amen? All right, listen, because of this, I think that many of us, and I'm talking even to myself, might need to be reminded today of what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Now, I want to be clear with something here. Most time when we Read the Bible, we see Jesus, uh, Jesus inviting people to come follow him, but we actually find in another place him and making an invitation or appeal not to those to come be his disciple, but he's making it to those who are tired and weary and burned out. He simply said this. Let's look at it together in Matthew 11. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. It says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, when we take a step back and we actually just hang here, we'll be done here in a few minutes. But when we take a step back and we actually look at this in the the original language, we actually see a, a word picture of two types of people. The first group is this is that it's the type of person who has been, given, has been giving everything that they have to a project or an assignment for a really, really, really long time. In fact, they are simply exhausted uh, due to just nonstop, continuous work. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Then the second is actually the type of person who is carrying a load that is normal and expected for an individual to carry in life. How many of you guys know that on this side of the resurrection, there's still burdens to bear, right? And so, and so when you look at that last word there, basically, uh, or picture, it actually is one of a military term that describes the backpack that every soldier was required to carry as a part of their career. So that means all of us. We're all going to carry something, right? Now, what's so interesting is the weight of this bag uh, was determined by the length of their journey. In other words, if a person had a short distance and, and small responsibilities, then the bag was pretty light. But if they had a long distance, a lot of res- responsibilities, then as you can suspect, if you were a military man or woman, th- then the bag is much heavier, right? And so, which, which means this, and here's why it's significant, is that Jesus was, uh, yes, referring to people who had a job, but he was referring to people who had been doing their job for a while, Right? And here's the key part, but their journey wasn't done yet. They still had more to go. And so here's this person who's just exhausted because they haven't stopped. And here's the person who's just carrying it because that's what we do in life. But here's Jesus inviting both to come and to rest and, and to put a modern-day language on it when we said rest. He basically meant this, take a break. Like, take some time away from what you're doing and all those responsibilities that you're carrying. Sounds like a good idea to me. So, listen, with all that said, there's something important here that in this passage that I want us all to see. Please grab this. Maybe if you had not heard anything else, grab this. Is notice that Jesus never promised to take difficult assignments or hard work from us. Like it's not there, right? However, he did promise us that if we uh, would come to him, that he would give us the rest we need in order to be refreshed so that we could continue and complete the journey. Like, that's the goal. Amen? So I'd like to also add this, that while he never gave us, uh, you know, we'll call it this way, uh, you know, a way to escape the weight of responsibility, he did offer us a way to carry it with joy. Now, how many of you guys would rather actually carry the the load that you got to carry with joy versus it being a burden? Yeah, like five of us are into that. The rest of you, you can, you can have your burden, okay? So, um, so here's what's neat. When Jesus actually made the comment, take my yoke upon me, that was an actual permission from, from Jesus, from God himself, to reverse the invitation. So he invited us to come rest, but he's saying, take, there, there's, a, there's a reversal now that's happening in the invitation, and this is where you and I get to deliberately and intentionally invite him to come and actually join us in the harness and, and pull the plow, right? That, that you know, we all know, when, you, when we look at the word yoke, obviously we know it's a wooden yoke that two animals, right, would come together, but what would happen is it would, it would combine their strength uh, to pull the load that would generally be too difficult for one animal to pull by itself. And so when they yoked up like that, it made them inseparable. They were walking together. How can two walk together unless they be in agreement, right? And so as a result, they were stronger, and their combined strength made their task easier, and dare I say, even a delight. Right? And, and so, so the idea here, the picture here, is guess what, is is I'll say it this way, every one of us in this room know what it's like to go about a task without including Jesus, and it's awful, right? Like I even say it this way, I know what it's like to preach with the anointing and without the anointing. I know what it's like to go into a counseling meeting and being tuned in versus going to a counseling meeting and not being tuned in, right? Like I've lived long enough and done enough ministry uh, I even say this, having a conversation with one of my kids or my wife, I know what it's like to be in the spirit in an argument versus not in the spirit in an argument. And I know what it's like to discipline your children in the spirit versus not in the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, and one's definitely a, 
a delight, and the other one's not, not even close to that, right? Yeah. Okay, so listen, before we close, I want to remind uh, all of us of something else that Jesus said, okay? And before I read this verse, I, I think this is important for us to see, is I want us to think about or take into account how many people that Jesus healed and restored on the Sabbath. Like we know the, I mean, the Pharisees got all ticked off about it, but Jesus just kept doing it, right? I love Jesus. And, uh, but I also want us to take into account this, that here's a, here's a day where Jesus healed and restored so often, but I want us to also think about how many times we found ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually drained, right? Now, with that in mind, listen to this verse. Let those rivers cross. Mark 2, 22, 2, 23, excuse me. It says, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. It's a gift. And not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Not a bunch of rules and regulations here, y'all. Jesus is interested in healing us and restoring us. Right? He's interested in this being a day where, guess what, where we get to... uh, experience his compassion like so many of those men and women that got healed on that day so long ago, right? So my hope instead today, potentially hearing this is something you've got to do, why not hear it as something we get to do, right? Like we get to rest so that we can be, like I just said, healed and restored so we can reconnect, so we can remember, right? And so we can get refreshed, Right, So the goal here today, I think, is to see that the Sabbath is restorative in nature. After all, once again, it is a gift. Amen? All right, on that note, listen to this last verse, Mark, uh, Hebrews 4. It says, so there's a special Sabbath rest still waiting for the people of God. Like, do you believe that today, that God has a Sabbath rest waiting on you? He does, Right? says in verse 10, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Verse 11 is the key verse. So let us do our best. Other translations say make every effort to enter that rest. Are you currently making every effort to enter into that rest? Or are we avoiding it by a busy schedule? Then he says this, but if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Make every effort. Oh, but by the way, if you don't, it stinks for you. All those negative consequences we mentioned earlier, we're going to eat the fruit of it. Right? So let me give you a practical application here, okay? And, and, and uh, so I'm clear. I have been pretty raw and pretty open with you guys the past two weeks. And... Um, and so I'm definitely not sitting up here today going, hey, I got this. Follow me. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm trying my best to figure this out. Yeah, like I'm trying to figure this out Be- because, because my life is very opposite of this, okay? I mean, to, to even prove a point here to you, okay, is, is the fact that I went to sleep probably about 1 o'clock and I woke up about 5 o'clock, because I was working on a sermon about rest. <laughs> I went to sleep because I wasn't done, but I was like toothpicking it, right? And then I couldn't sleep because my mind was here all night. And so I got up, okay, let's get to it. And I literally rolled in the door this morning with a countdown going before worship began. So I'm trying. I heard a statement the other day that, that we're, we're, we're basically about practicing, not perfection. So I'm trying to practice this myself, okay? So let me encourage you. So here's what I'm trying to do, okay? I'm a little different than you in the sense that, guess what? Sunday's not a Sabbath for me. I'm currently working, no matter what people say, (laughs) right? And so anyways, so I think the key here is actually to pick a day and to pick a time that actually works best for you. Like if you have, have, uh, you know, small children, it's probably going to be pretty hard to find Sabbath rest when they're awake. So, 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 but whatever we got to do, right? Like, like, so there's this idea that just consider Sabbath moments and then times for the Sabbath because your family needs to be included in it, even if they're little, okay? 
But so, so the goal is to pick a day and to pick a time. For me, it's Mondays. That's what's ha- it has to be, Mondays. And so, listen, I just think this. On that day, if you want to sleep in, sleep in, right? If you want to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you want to read, read, right? If you want to watch a movie, watch a movie. That's cool, okay? But somewhere in the course of that day and that time, th- there comes this point where you got to shut everything off, right? And you got to connect with God for a, and I'll say it this way, a lengthier time than normal. And that's where we... You know, once again, make the time to cut out all the distractions so we can delight and spend time with him, so we can worship, pray, read the Bible. It's all about connecting, hearing from heaven, right? So watch this. If you're married or have kids, there needs to be a part of that day, okay? Once again, this is the goal, I think, to live biblically, is that we connect with our family in an uninterrupted way where we are fully engaged with them. They have our eyes. They have our ears, Right? And then I think that, you know, once again, at the core, the, the whole idea about this day, if it be with God or family, it's really about delighting in what God has given us and have a heart of gratitude, right? That it's slowing down and it's finding ourselves in a position, once again, so we can hear from God, but so also that he can restore us and refill us so that we have more creativity, more hope, more vision, more joy, more peace to enter into the next week other than, once again, going in that week already frustrated, stressed out, ripping everybody's heads off, right? So here's the reality. Some people do this well. Some people don't. What I want us to see is we've all been given 24 hours in a day, right? And, and for the most part, uh, we kind of set our schedules. I understand we have employers. Uh, so, so there's a lot of us that are bosses in here. Uh, but at the end of the day, we determine how we schedule our day, and use our time. And and so I just think, you know, if we're looking at this thing, you know, just to close this piece of the series out, if it's really about giving more attention to the things that matter, then we got to make those things priority over all the other things that we've allowed to suffocate what should really matter in our life. And so a quote that hit me pretty hard the other day was this by a guy named Stephen Covey. He said this. He said, the key is not to prioritize your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. And here's the plain, simple truth. If I can schedule to meet up with my friend to go get coffee, then surely I can schedule to meet with Jesus. Surely my kids deserve me to make a schedule appointment with them if need be, and my wife if need be. Like one thing that I've been doing, y'all hear me, please. Please hear me, especially if you're under the age of 35 in the room. That when I walk in the door, my phone, what I've been trying to do for about the past few weeks Instead of keeping it with me, like everywhere I'd go, like y'all know what it's like, you can't even go to the bathroom without having your phone, <laughs> right? And instead, of, instead of doing that, what I did, I said, you know what, when I walk in the door, I go over and I, and I put it in the windowsill because I know the temptation. And I leave it alone and it stays there for hours and I'll check it before I go to bed, right? So, so let me help some of y'all out, especially if you're in here and, and the news has been a trap for you. I did not say this first service, but I'll say it this service, okay? is at the end of the day, we're so afraid sometimes if we're not here that we're going to miss something. And here's what I've learned. I don't watch the news. But you know what I've realized? I don't miss anything. You know why? It's not because nothing's happening. It's because if something's really important, y'all are going to tell me. (laughs) That I have friends in my life, literally, that are going to tell me. Somebody dies that's famous. I have somebody text me or calls me. So-and-so just died. I didn't have to read John Madden died. My brother texted me, right? And so all I'm saying is, is we think that we have to be in the know all the time. Yo, most of what we're doing is just clutter. And it's a waste of time that could be intentionally, uh, you know, engaged with our family. Like, I'll just say this, and I'll get off soapbox. Sorry I've gone so long. Um, like, how often do we sit on our couch, with our spouse, or in our bed with our spouse, and there's no interaction going on because both of us are just staring at a phone or an iPad or a computer. Am I making any sense? We got to change our priorities. Preach it, preacher. Amen. All right, so listen. Close. I've said it like three times, right? Um, I just think, laying the last statement for real, it's just in order to eliminate hurry from our lives, you and I got to be willing to practice or schedule Sabbath rest. Once again, where we block off unhurried time, 
right, unproductive time, right, just connect with God. I realize if you're anything like me, that's really hard because you think if I'm not doing something right now, I'm not doing my best. But the reality is, is if I don't take those times, I'll never be able to do my best, right? So, so as we stand to our feet, as we stand to our feet, good job, Noah. I have two questions for you. First one is this, and we'll throw it up on the screen, is how can you move toward Sabbath rest as both a weekly practice and a way of life? Like, please think about that with some seriousness. How can you move toward Sabbath as both a weekly practice and a way of life? Now, with that, because I know our tendencies, let me ask, is what arguments are you currently battling, even while you're sitting here, internally that are hindering you from finding a rhythm of rest? You don't know what I got to do. You don't, you, you don't think God didn't know what you had to do when he made you? But yet he still said you need to rest, right? So, so instead of doing this, y'all look here, please. Instead of doing what we do so often in our culture, well, nobody else is doing it. Okay, first of all, that's real, that's real elementary school, okay? But, but secondly, instead of, instead of thinking so much about what other people are not doing, how about saying, you know, what does God say about all those arguments that I have in my head? Like, what's his answer for it? Because the reality is, is he wants us to be healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, right? And I'm convinced that the only way to do that is by finding a new rhythm in him where we learn how to rest. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I have no clue where all this is going to take us, but Lord, I know you're taking us somewhere. And Lord, I just simply say for myself, and Lord, I believe on the behalf of others in this room, God, that we're willing to go where you want us to go. God, we're willing to walk the road, even if it requires a tremendous amount of change in our lives. God, we just say today that we won't be afraid of those changes because we realize that you love us and you're always working for our good. And so, Lord, uh, whatever you're trying to remove from us today so that we can have intentional lives and fruitful lives so we have better marriages and better kids and better finances and all those things that you really want to do, a better relationship with you, Lord, we just simply ask that you would do it. God, I ask that you would speak to every one of us and you would help us, take us by the hand and navigate us in this life so we actually can find a new rhythm. Jesus, will you do it? Jesus, will you please do it for us and for our families? In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.